0: Amen. What a beautiful song of just dependency on God, that our one defense, our righteousness, our hope is found in God. And we've seen that as we've been studying the life of Elijah, that wonderful Old Testament story about this great prophet of God. I love the last word said in Scripture about Elijah in the book of James. It says, he was a man like us. He's like us. And so this story gives us hope. Last week we looked at these six unsticking points, and they're really a a pretty good rendition of his life. You know, Elijah goes on this great high. He goes this terrible low where he doesn't even want to live. God breaks him. God convicts him. God brings someone significant into his life to help him. He gives him amazing experiences in a cave where God whispers to him, Elijah is able to look in the mirror and go, something needs to change, and he makes a choice to depend on God. And I hope as you look at those unsticking points, you've been thinking especially about those first five and how God is working in your life right now to bring you to a different point through these difficult days. And then I hope you'll make a choice to obey God no matter how hard it is. Now, Elijah's life was so changed that he ends up having what I call a grand exit. You know, th- this man who didn't want to live at one point in his life never dies. I mean, it's a crazy story here, and what an exit. And if you would Google today, Grand Exit, you'll see, and I didn't realize that until Googling that, is most of this today is associated with weddings, and people leaving a, a wedding ceremony or reception in a, in a really big-time way. I, I remember one of my favorite weddings I ever performed was for Will and Kim Webster in uh, Kim's hometown of Foley, And they had this cool thing going on that after the wedding ceremony, the the reception area was not very far away, just a few blocks. They would ride in a carriage to the reception, and we would all follow. And so I'm trying to be dramatic at the end of it. I say, Will and Kim are about to leave, and we want you to follow them on their chariot. Well, that's not exactly what it was. It was a grand exit. We think of historically, one of the grandest exits in our country was when George, Wa- George Washington gave his farewell address. It's still a classic of the warnings about foreign entanglements of a, a man who really never wanted to be president who says, you know, even though many people wanted to make him king, I won't even run for a third term. We think of grand exits in sports. Most of us or many of us have watched The Last Dance about what was supposed to be Michael Jordan's last season of 1998. And in game six, where he hits that iconic shot to win the series. Or maybe John Elway, who was known as the quarterback who could not win the Super Bowl because he'd been to three Super Bowls, never won one. And then the last two years of his career, he wins it both years and goes out in style. But let me say this to you today as we look at this, Elijah's grand exit beats them all. Because God does send a chariot, remind Will and Kim, that's the scriptural thing. God does send a chariot to take him home. So, go with me to 2 Kings chapter 2, and let's watch a very fascinating story. We're going to see a lot of things at play here. Let's take our time looking at this passage. Verse 1, it just sort of tells us what's going to happen. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. Now, everybody knows this. It's not a secret. Elisha knows it, Elijah knows it, the sons of the prophets know it, so we know it at the beginning of the story. Elijah and Elisha, that's his sidekick, his disciple, that's the person he's mentoring, were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. Now listen to Elisha's response. As surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Elijah says, you stay behind. Elisha says, not a chance in my life. I've just got a little bit more time to spend with you. I want every moment I can get of you. So verse 3, the company of the prophets at Bethel came up to Elisha. Now, there were companies of prophets in different cities. And normally this is a place where someone was trained to be a prophet. A more mature prophet would train other prophets. And so they're going to keep coming up and bugging Elisha along the way. So the company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and said, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Elisha's response is pretty abrupt. Yes, I know. So be quiet. I mean, really, I mean, kids, close your ears right now. What he really is saying is, I know that, shut up. Now, why is he doing that? Because this is the best I can figure. The company of the prophets are a little bit too flippant about this. And this is a somber moment for Elisha. He said, guys, I know it. Just keep your mouth shut, please. And then we see it happen again. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replies the same way. surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Okay? So they go to Jericho. The company of the prophets said, Jericho went up to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Jordan. Same thing happens. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives, and so you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. What a beautiful stroll of these two great men at the end of Elijah's life. Then 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood up at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. This is cool. Elijah took his cloak. Now, now some of of the older translations use the word I like, took his mantle. Uh, It's really like an overcoat, but it's an overcoat that symbolizes something. It's like a Supreme Court justice wearing their robes. It symbolizes power and authority. And and so Elijah gets to Jordan, takes off this cloak, rode it up, struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. What a crazy good walk. Look what happens in verse 9. When they'd crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken from you. What a, what a cool question. I'm about to go. Anything else you need? I'm entrusting this to you. What, do you. what do you need to do your job? What is one last blessing I could give you? And I tell you what, Elisha goes for the top. I love this. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elisha replied, "I want a double portion of your insight, your courage, your creativity, your faithfulness, your love. I want double what you had." What a request! Look what happens. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise it will not. Why is this such a difficult thing for Elijah? Because Elijah can't give it. The only person who can give a double portion of Spirit is God. And and Elijah says, okay, if you're able to do what I've done when I get out of here, you're going to know that it happened. As they were walking along, here is the grand exit. And talking together... Suddenly, a chariot of fire and horses of fire, fire is always a symbol of God, appeared and separated the two of them. Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. What a a scene. Whirlwind tornado takes him up. Elisha is brokenhearted. He saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel, What does that mean? Chariots and horsemen are are symbols of military might. God, you've done something powerful. And Elisha saw him no more. And he's so distraught, he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Emotional. Then watch what happens. He gets the double portion. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him. And went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. What's going to happen? Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked when he struck the water? It happens. It divided to the right and the left and he crossed over. Not only does he have the mantle, he has the power. So I love this story. And I want you to see what a grand exit looks like. A grand exit involves your past Elijah is able to walk down memory lane. We'll see that in just a moment. It involves your present, that you are leaving someone to carry on the work that God has given you. It involves an amazing future in a perfect place called heaven. Let's just review what we've studied pretty quickly here. See, first of all, Elijah deals with this past. Elijah takes a trip down memory lane. Most commentaries I've read this week said these four places he goes were extremely significant in Israel's history. It's like a a history lesson he takes down the road. But the more I've studied it, the more I think it's more than just recounting the history of Israel. It's actually recounting Elijah's history. Now just think about these places he goes and what they mean. Gilgal means a place of beginnings. This is the first place where God's people entered the promised land. It's the first place they celebrated the Passover. And we've watched the life of Elijah. God gives him, after he's fallen on his face, a brand new beginning. Bethel is a place of revelation, of dreams, of visions. It's where Jacob meets God, that old deceiver, meets God, is given a vision of who he will be for the people of God. Elijah has that incredible moment at Mount Hebron where he meets God. Jericho is a place of victory. We all know the children's story, but the real story of God's people and their first conquest in the promised land of marching around that city that final day seven times and the wall falling down. It's their first military victory. Insignificant to Elijah is the amazing victories God had given him in his life. That incredible victory over the prophets of Baal, where he calls down fire from heaven one of the most dramatic scenes in all scripture and Elijah was right in the middle of it and then there's the Jordan which is a place of transitions it's the boundary of the promised land it's a place where they move from slavery to sonship from wandering in the desert in the wilderness to a place of ultimate fulfillment and if we've seen anything in Elijah's life it's been a, a time of incredible transitions At the point where Elijah's given up himself and given up on God, God won't let it happen. So he deals with his past. And then here's something very significant Elisha takes on Elijah's mission. You see, he's about to leave, but he wants to make a grand exit. But he wants to continue his mission on this earth. That's why God gave him Elisha. Understand this about our faith. It's always one generation away from extinction. And as great a job as Elijah's done, he knows if he just goes to heaven in this dramatic way and hasn't left someone who got his spirit, we're in trouble. So as you watch this story, here's what I see. Elisha is proving himself. Why does Elijah keep telling him, you can't go with me? Because he wants Elisha to prove himself faithful. He's testing him. And then not only does he prove himself faithful, Elisha proves himself spiritual. I mean, when, when his mentor says, you got a blank check here, dude. What do you want me to give you? I'll give you whatever you want. If it's in my power, I'll give it to you. And Elisha goes for the top and says, I'll tell you what I want. I want a, a spiritual inheritance. You see, the firstborn male was always to get a double inheritance of the property. That was normal. But Elisha does not ask for something material. He asks for something spiritual. He says, What well, I want more than anything else is your spirit. I want a spiritual inheritance. So he proves himself spiritual and finally Elisha proves himself powerful. The question that happened there was okay and even Elijah couldn't predict it you got the cloak, you got the coat, do you have the power? Is he powerful enough to replicate the crossing? And he is. And I think we might write this down as we finish his Elijah's life. Elijah's greatest work is Elisha. And we can look at all the miracles and all the mighty moments, but the greatest work that he did was leaving someone behind with a double portion of his spirit. It's easy to be a flaming star. It's easy to make your mark and then leave. But he trains his successor. That's always been God's way. Mentoring, discipling, whatever you want to call it, that's always been God's way of advancing his kingdom and his work. Now, if you're in Elijah's place, there is a temptation here. I just want to get out of here. Our life's been rough. I've been up and down. I've been hunted down. I've been on top of the mountain. And in the latter years of his life, it's very easy for him to go, you know, let me, let me just get out of here and get to heaven. I, I don't want to take the energy to train somebody else. I understand that. And, the, you know... In the last half of my ministry right now I, there 's a temptation to me when I, I see everything going on in the world, and what a mess it is when I see christianity shrinking, when I see the challenges that we face there 's a part of me says. Let's just bid time, and let's just make it and go to heaven, and then I'm going to be okay. But that's not Elijah's spirit. It wasn't about him just making it to heaven. It wasn't just about him being okay. It was about what was going to happen when he was left. So in Scripture, you see Elijah trained Elisha. You see Moses trained Joshua. You see Paul trained Timothy. Can I ask you this question? Who are you preparing to take your place? You might have an objection here don't get offended by me you might say well what place is there what's so important about what i'm doing so let me let me stop there for a second if you were to leave today what void would it leave in god's kingdom and if you're not sure maybe that's a wake-up call to all of us And guys, this could be all kinds of different things. We all don't serve in God's kingdom the same way. Some of us are more up front, some of us more behind the scenes. But we've all been given gifts and talents from God so that we can serve. And so I'm asking you, first of all, what is the void that you would leave? What wouldn't happen in this community, in your home, in this church, if you were not here? And then the second question, again, is who are you preparing to take your place? There's always that next generation. we got so many great servants in this church. And we've all got to be thinking, who am I training? It's great enough that you've got a gift and a talent, and you use it for God. That's wonderful. But for the long-run picture, it's not enough. Who are you going to train to take your place? So he deals with that present. And then finally, Elijah takes a trip up to heaven What an exit. This man who was suicidal at one point, whose life was out of control with fear and distrust even of God. God honors, like only one other man in history, Enoch, with not dying. What an exit. And it's an exit we all can make. If the Lord comes back before we die, we too, like Elijah, will meet him in the air. So guys, what matters in the long run is where we headed. What matters in the long run, guys, no matter how rough world this world gets and our life gets, is there can be a place of perfection. There's a place promised to us where we can be permanently unstuck. Uh, this, this world is up and down. We all know it. We get frustrated with others. We get frustrated with ourselves. We get frustrated with the political climate. We get frustrated with what's going on in this broken world where a virus can shut the world down almost. So guys, we can't put our faith in this. It can continue to be that way. See, our, our problem, my problem at times, is, is I am intent and honestly sometimes believe that I can create heaven on earth. That, that I can line up everything in my life in such a way that, that my life is comfortable and nice and I have no worries. We all try to do that. And, and you know, with the materialism and the blessings of our country, there are moments we, we sort of get there. But listen to me, it won't last if ever we understand that, it's got to be right now when all of our plans have been interrupted and right now there's no end in sight. So guys, our, our hope is not in creating this wonderful heaven on earth. Our hope is making it to heaven. But I think we, many of us have lost our, 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 um, our passion for that. I mean, I'll be honest, we don't talk about heaven in church the way we did three or four decades ago. Back in the Depression, almost all of the songs the church would sing were about heaven because things were so bad. If you go to Africa today, like when, when I went with my boys to Malawi, man, they sung about heaven. They knew things were never right here. In fact, they were desperate just for food on the table every day. And so they knew where their hope was and they sung about it and they talked about it. And hopefully God is breaking us to the point where we're doing the same thing. I saw a survey the other day that says 40% of Americans today show signs of depression. Because everything's been interrupted. But God is trying to teach us that this world is not our home. That no matter how hard we try, we will never get everything right. So let's just review for a moment. A grand exit involves thanking God for his work in your life in the past, preparing for your mission to carry on, and ascending to perfection in heaven. Elijah's exit was so grand, it was a preview of another exit. It was a preview of our Savior's exit who died on a cross in our place to take away our sins and give us salvation, who resurrected from the dead to conquer death for us. And then here's the part often we forget, and ascended to heaven to be at the right hand of God where he makes intercession for us. And when he left to pour out his spirit on all mankind. You see, when Jesus left, unlike Elijah, he knew what we needed. Jesus doesn't ask us the question, what do you need? He knew what we needed. We needed his spirit. That's the only way we could carry this on. And so what Jesus says is, I know what you need, you need more of me, you need my spirit in you, and here's what I want you to do, Luke chapter 11, verse 13, I want you to ask me for the spirit, and I will give it to you. So in view of our message today, here's the challenge. Are you willing to ask for a double portion of his spirit? Are are you willing to come to a point in your life where where you just say, God, I I can't figure this out. I can't do it. I need you, and not just need you. I need everything you've got to give. Lord, just just pour it out on me. Fill me with your Spirit. Lord, I'm going to make a request. Give me a double portion of your Spirit. Can you imagine, just for a moment with me, what would happen in our church if we asked for a double portion of His Spirit? Guys, we're in troubled times. People don't know what's going to happen to church in the long run. Many people are nervous, but I'm telling you guys, if we have a double portion of His Spirit, we don't have to worry about what's going to happen in the long run. In fact, what would happen then is our church would come out of this thing stronger and better than ever. Amen? Amen. Because it's going to take asking boldly for God to empower us to do more than we feel like doing right now. Imagine what would happen in your life if you left this place today asking for a double portion of his spirit. You see, like we were reminded today, it is a choice, but you you don't have the power to do it on your own. You've got to have God. So, how about if we um, imitate Elisha and say, you know what? I appreciate material possessions, I like my house, I like the car, I like the job I got. But those things are, you know, they're not permanent. They could be taken away tomorrow. That's not what I want more than anything else. Well, what do you want? I want a double portion of God's Spirit. I want to live in power and courage the way God has called me to live. And the only way for that to happen is for Him to give me that power. Would you be willing to pray that for our church? Would you be willing to pray that for yourself? Talking about getting unstuck. You guys, l- listen to me. Elisha got it. The variety and the number of miracles Elisha performs are greater than Elijah. And I believe today, if we'll ask for it, God will give it to us. So I want us to enter a time of prayer right now. You see the number on your screen where you can send us prayer requests, where the whole church will be praying for you, unless you designate, you just want the leadership to pray about it. But I'd like you right now, if you would, if you're online or if you're here in person, just to take out for a moment and just send a request. Where do you need a double portion of God's Spirit? Or just, just put on their double portion. Just give it to him, but take a moment. And what would happen if the whole church, in the middle of this, where many of us are at home and have plenty of time to do a lot of things and cut off the TV and the Internet and spend time praying for each other, we could have this double portion. So just just take a moment right now and text in that prayer request, and we'll be praying for you this week. Also today, if, if you're ready to make that choice to follow Jesus, and you will follow him by faith to his death, burial, and resurrection, if today you're ready to be baptized, if you're in our audience today and you're wanting to be baptized, I'm going to ask you right now just to come down and, and sit right over here in this front. If you're, if you're coming to be baptized today, you've made a decision even during this, this, this time together, feel free just to come down here. I know we've got a wonderful family coming right now It's ready to be baptized today. If you're at home and you've got questions about that, God has shook your life, he's broken you through this, and you know you need him. If on your text, on that number, if you will just type in the word baptism, we will contact you and answer any questions you have. Because that could be, the Jordan River in your life, where you put the O behind and march into the promised land. And let me say this as you put these prayer requests the more specific your requests, the more powerful the prayer. Just please put it down. So good to see the Haywood family down here. And uh, Gail, if you want to go ahead and start preparing. For the baptism and you guys, um, Zane, would you go over here and start preparing them in the men's room? We're all gonna wear a mask and do this as safely as possible, but we are not gonna put this off. And then for the rest of us, I want us to prepare to close out this series with the only appropriate song, Days of Elijah. (laughs) I love this song, it's so expressive. But it's come to mean a whole lot more to me this week as I research what it means. A man in Britain named Robin Mark wrote this song in 1994. He was in despair and distressed about the state of the world. He saw the civil war in Northern Ireland. He saw the genocide, the killing of a million people in Rwanda. He saw the shrinking of the church in Europe. And in his despair, he needed a song of hope about a person who would give him hope. And that's where Elijah came in. A 19th century prophet who found himself isolated, who found himself flat on his face, but who stood against the prophets of Baal, who was restored and worked in a powerful way. So he writes this incredible song. These are the days of Elijah. He mentions a few other names in here that would help us out. Moses and his righteousness. Ezekiel and his restoration of God's people. And David, who built a temple Phrase. Now, you know this. He's not talking about the physical temple because Solomon created that. And the writer makes it clear he's talking about a spiritual worship temple that David built because David took worship to a whole new level. So right now, Jeremy and the team, if y'all would come up, let's, um, let's all stand. We'll have our baptism at the end of this song. And uh, I love the way you're worshiping expressively, but this song calls upon us to double it up a little bit in the spirit of our lesson day. And let's, in the middle of this difficult, stressful time, let's believe that once again, these can be the days of Elijah.